Happy Friday, everybody. It is Friday, May 20th, 2022. This is the Second Half Podcast. I'm Tom Powell, and as always, if you're listening to this, that means you made it through another week. When I say as always, I mean as always. This is episode 155. Episode 155, and I took almost a year off uh, from doing episodes during the height of the pandemic in 2020. I've been doing this shit for a hot minute. Anyway, uh, before we get into the shit we're going to talk about this week, um, I need to do my usual housekeeping. For those of you who are finding me for the first time, I've never heard this podcast before. A couple of things. One, this is an amateur podcast. It's not done in a studio. I'm not a professional. I don't have professional equipment. You're going to hear some background noises. I got a fan going in the window. You're going to hear the dogs bark. You're gonna, maybe my kid's home. You might knock on the door and ask me a cooking question. The point being is it's not meant to be a finished, polished product. It's, it's meant to be like two people sitting on the deck shooting the shit. So just kind of roll with it if you hear some background noises, okay? Secondly, uh, if you don't know me about me yet, if you're finding me for the very first time, chances are that you don't know anything about my website. So if you have a moment, swing by oldhippymedia.com. That's oldhippie, H-I-P-P-I-E, media.com. Uh, where you're going to find anything you want to know about me. You're going to find links on where you can follow me on all the social media sites. Obviously, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Clapper, my YouTube page, all of those. You're going to find links on where you can buy my first two books. Uh, I have two self-published books in paperback and ebook formats entitled A Grateful Life and Dearest Renee. You're going to find a link... Uh, to my online merch store, my e-commerce store. Over 400 items to choose from. Father's Day gear is out now. Go buy some shit for dad. T-shirts, coffee mugs, magnets, buttons, coasters, aprons if your old man grills a lot. Um, you're also going to find a link on where you can book me on uh, Cameo. You want to do a shout-out to somebody. Wish dad a happy Father's Day. Uh, tell somebody congratulations on the promotion. Just tell somebody that their football team sucks and that their uh, pizza blows rhino. I can do that. It's over on uh, on Cameo. And you're also going to find a link on where you can subscribe to my Patreon subscription service. If you like this podcast, which is free and airs every Friday, I do bonus podcast episodes, which can only be heard on Patreon, every other week, usually on Tuesdays. And the uh, subscription price there is $4.20 a month. It's a drop in the bucket. Right now, it's less than a gallon of gas. Anyway, that could all be found at oldhippymedia.com. Once again, that's old, H-I-P-P-I-E, media.com. All right, enough of the commercials, enough of the pimping. What do we have to discuss today? Well, since last we spoke, uh, on a personal note, uh, my kids got together and threw a surprise 50th birthday party for me. If you listen to the podcast for any period of time, or if you follow me on any of the social media sites, you'll know that last Friday, a week ago today, uh, the 13th, was my 50th birthday. Uh, my kids, uh, now number four uh, in, in total, they now number in total of four. It, it's early in the fucking morning. I usually record this shit on Thursday. It's Friday morning. Couldn't get it done yesterday. Had a lot of shit going on. Um, I, I'll explain that in just a minute, and to the best of my ability. Um, my uh, my twenty one year old Magnolia was contacted by my thirty two year old Ashley, uh, apparently, and uh, was asked, "Hey, what are we going to do for Dad's fiftieth?" And I guess uh, Maggie was like, well, we'll do, we'll do a dinner. And, and it, you know, hey, hats off to Maggie for uh, 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 going bold and taking the entire fam to Magianos. That's a, 
That's a lesson she she learned the hard way and probably won't be offering to anybody again. Those are hefty bills. <laughs> but goddamn, uh, you know, all, all of them were fantastic. My uh, my my daughter, son-in-law, and grandchildren came up from Southern Indiana. It was the very first time last uh, last Saturday was when the dinner was, so the fourteenth. It was the very first time that um, my entire family was together at the dinner table. And so, uh, when I walked in, I appeared to be angry, when in actuality, um, I, I, I didn't know how to react, uh, because I had been thinking about the first time all four of my children would be in a room together, since a- Ashley, we just found Ashley <laughs> a few months ago, uh, and I and and like have been having. If I'm going to be completely honest with you, I've been having a hard time, like with what that visual was going to look like, with what that was going to be, and like different scenarios in my head because they're coming up here Memorial Day weekend, uh, and, and and I thought Memorial Day weekend was when everybody was going to see each other for the first time, and I was like, okay, you know, trying to. Like, imagine this this scene in my head where all four of my kids were finally going to be uh, in a room together. And and then I come around the corner, and there it is. I, I mean, for the very first time ever, all four of my offspring sitting at a, at a table together. It was just, I was really taken aback. Not in a bad way. It was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Everybody's here. Okay. Um, I, I legitimately didn't know how to react. Which is, if you ask my wife, unusual for me. I usually know how to respond and react in damn near any scenario. Even on the fly, even in, in, in situations in which I'm caught off guard, I didn't know how to react to this one. It was an incredibly wonderful gesture on everybody's part, uh, on Maggie's part for putting the thing together, on Ashley and, and, and the family's part for coming up, on everybody for keeping it secret. My wife apparently had every motherfucker in North America in on the secret. I had been under the impression that we were going to have dinner with our business partners. So I've never met our business partners. My wife has done business with uh, uh, our business partners for years in her industry, uh, but they live all the way up by Rockford, two hours away from us. And 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 because of my wife's long relationship with them in her industry, uh, we knew that we could trust them, and and we've done everything business wise electronically and from a distance. I've literally never met my business partners, so I, I she was I was she sold me on the fact that we were going to go have dinner with them for the first time that they were going to be down in Naperville for something and that uh, this was going to be our opportunity to just have a quick dinner with them. I honestly thought that we were going to see them for the first time in like this November, December because I truly anticipate even though we live uh, a great distance apart we're doing business together. I mean we, we've got these two families have a lot tied in with one another right now and at the least we should do is get together for a Christmas dinner with each other. You know, the two couples. At least that's, that's the least we should do. Uh, but then this thing came up and I was like, hey, fine, fine, fine. You know. She sold me that uh, Maggie was going to dinner with her friend. Her friend showed up. Off to dinner they went. That's not unusual. Not hard to sell me on. She sold me on Lily going to see my sister-in-law, Lisa, who's her godmother, because Lily wasn't able to come home for Mother's Day weekend. That's not a hard sell. Oh, and she's going to take Tommy with her since we're going to be out to dinner and Tommy can play with his cousins. Once again, not a hard sell. All things that are like, okay, yeah, that seems normal. She told our business partner that she used him as a, as a, as a decoy just in case I asked him. She told everybody, you know, in case he says X, this is what he's been told. Like, like everybody, motherfucker mowing the lawn at Millennium Park knows about this goddamn surprise party. (laughs) 
just in case I and because I know a lot of motherfuckers. Just in case I asked anybody, she had her bases covered, and so it 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 got pulled off. I almost fucked it up though because uh, my kids never pause their location finding uh, services on their uh, Life 360 app. We have Life 360 downloaded on all the phones. We have it downloaded on our 21-year-old's phone because our name is on her car and she likes to drive fast. So it allows us to keep track of, of how fast she's driving. I don't care where she goes. I mean, I care, but she's an adult. She can go where the fuck she wants. That's not why I look at the app for her. Uh, mainly to see how fast she's been driving. And, and for my 17-year-old and my, my 10-year-old, it is to kind of more keep track of where they're at. My 17-year-old, it's to keep track of her driving speed as well. But my 10-year-old, it's really to find out where the fuck his phone is because his phone is never not with him. And so all three of them, the geniuses that they are, paused their services all within 11 minutes of each other. Something that, A, doesn't ever happen, and B, if it does happen, sure as fuck doesn't happen in that close of proximity on the timeline. And so I knew something was off. And I'm in the car, my, Renee's driving because my hip is killing me, up to the, up to the dinner, and, and I'm like, yeah, this doesn't make sense. And she's like, are we really going to do this today? I thought we were going to go have a nice dinner with our partners. No, you fucking didn't. You thought you were going to flawlessly pull this thing off until I saw that there was something amiss. I have not taught my children well enough how to skirt the prying eyes of people looking to see what the hell they're doing. So I didn't make phone calls, but I was damn curious as to why uh, location pausing occurred virtually at the same time. It just doesn't happen. But they pulled it off without a hitch with the Maggiano's. Uh, we had an ungodly amount of food, which is typical for a Maggiano's family-style dinner. Uh, when you order at Maggiano's family-style, you pick a couple of appetizers, you pick a couple of main courses, a couple of pastas, a couple of desserts, right? And then they estimate how much you need based on your party size, and they just bring you multiple platters of each thing depending on your party size. Our uh, waitress overestimated slightly, slightly, um, but that's usually, that's what we saw at Maggiano. You bring, we're going to bring out four trays of this and four trays of that and four uh, platters, I should say, not trays. That's typical of family style. You just get loaded with food, loaded with it. And as a result, you have a fuck ton to take home. And, uh, and that's what ended up happening here again. Uh, so thank you to all of my family for making that happen. Um, thank you for uh, coming up. To my, my, my family in, in Indiana, thank you for coming up to make that happen. Thank you to Maggie for pulling that off and 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 even thinking of doing that. It was an incredibly wonderful night, and because it was the first night that my entire family was together and it was to celebrate my 50th birthday party, obvi- my 50th birthday, obviously it's a night that I will never forget as long, well, until my mind goes. And that's, you know... Let me check the the calendar. That's like six weeks away. So I'll remember it for the next six weeks. And then we're gone. I'm joking, of course. Everybody calm down. Okay, enough personal shit. Let's get into the actual news uh, as as is typical of this podcast. First, non-political news, uh, something that has to do with COVID. A brief, brief, brief story for you. And that is that uh, booster shots have now been authorized for kids age 5 to 11. So, if you have a 5 to 11 year old that's vaccinated and you're interested in getting them boosted, that has now been authorized. So, uh, go get your kids scheduled for a booster. I have to get my second booster, as has been recommended, uh, but because I'm having hip surgery on June 9th, uh, the surgeon has advised me to wait uh, three weeks after uh, operation. So, I can get my booster three weeks post-op. Uh, but if you got a 5 to 11-year-old and you want to get them boosted, now is the time it has been authorized. Moving on to political news. Uh, let's start with uh, the Supreme Court essentially kneecapping our political system uh, for at least a generation. Uh, the Supreme Court ruled that a provision limiting campaign use of 
post-election funds to repay candidates for loans made pre-election is unconstitutional. This money in politics thing is going to be the death of us. You know that? It's going to be the death of us. Chief Justice John Roberts wrote for the majority that the provision, quote, burdens core political speech without proper justification, end quote. Justice Elena Kagan disagreed, writing that for two decades, the provision checked, quote, crooked exchanges, end quote. Justice Kagan said in a dissent for herself and the court's two other liberals that the majority in striking down the provision, quote, greenlights all the sordid bargains Congress thought right to stop, end quote. She said the decision, quote, can only bring this country's political system into further disrepute, end quote. The case involved a, a section of the 2002 Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act, commonly known as the McCain-Feingold Campaign Finance Law. The provision said that if a candidate lends his or her campaign money before an election, the campaign cannot repay the candidate more than $250,000 using money raised after the election. That's a key provision there, after the election. First of all, this is too much money in politics to begin with, but the fact that it's after the election is key. The provision said that loans could still be repaid with money raised before the election, just not money raised after the election. Ted Cruz, who has served in the Senate since 2013 and ran unsuccessfully for president in 2016, loaned his campaign $260,000 the day before the 2018 general election for the strict, the express purposes of challenging this law. Cruz's spokesman, Steve Guest, said in an emailed statement that the senator was gratified by the decision, which Mr. Guest said would, quote, help invigorate our democratic process by making it easier for challenges to take on and defeat career politicians. Uh, what? Only somebody like a career politician would think that they should be able to loan their own campaign as much money as humanly possible without getting it back or, or, and then be able to get it back. It's not a loan. It's a campaign contribution. The decision is actually the latest since Justice Roberts became Chief Justice in 2005 in which conservatives have struck down congressionally enacted limits on raising and spending money to influence election. That includes the 2010 Citizens United uh, decision, which, as we all know, opened the door for unlimited and independent spending in federal elections. Justice Kagan, in her dissent, described one result uh, that would most recent provision has been struck down. Uh, sorry, I, I got a cotton mouth this morning. Jesus, hang on. Oh, Jesus. Kagan described one result now that the most recent provision has been struck down. A candidate could lend his or her campaign $500,000 and after winning, use donor money to pay that back in full. She said, the grateful politician might then respond to donors' money with favorable legislation, maybe prized appointments, maybe lucrative contracts. And that's the whole point. Listen, it doesn't take a political genius, as Kagan wrote, to see uh, the heightened risk of corruption. I'll make you richer if you make me richer. That kind of shit. This is going to be... Insanely bad for politics. The more money that we allow into politics, the worse our politics gets. When, when politicians uh, need to raise insane amounts of money to run for office... The people who are giving them the insane amounts of money uh, are going to expect something in return. 99 times out of 100. And the more we let money in politics, the, gro the more grotesque and disgusting it's going to become. And now we're to the point where we can pay ourselves back 
post-election. So if you win, you get your money back. If you lose, you get your money back. Either way, you get your money back. Let me ask you a question. We're talking about candidates' money themselves. Let me ask you a question. If I give $2,500 to the Joe Biden campaign, fuck that. Fuck Joe Biden's campaign. If I give $2,500 to a state or or, or uh, county uh, election a candidate here in my, uh, my state of Illinois, can I get that money back? Am I entitled to recoup that money, win or lose post-election? Or was that a donation? I don't think you get to go to the church and put money in the donation plate and then take it back out. I don't think you get to go to church and give them money and then a week later go, hey, you know what? I'm going to need that 20 back. You can't give your money to Red Cross and then go, hey, I'm going to need that back a month later. Why is it that these donations are now going to be considered loans? And let's just be honest, it's grotesque that a politician can loan themselves $260,000 to begin with. But that's where we're at. Money in politics. It's not the worst thing I'm going to talk about this week, believe me, but my God, that is just, that's not good. Not good. And the Supreme Court, while Roberts has shown that he's willing to do the right thing in a number of areas. When it comes to money in politics, he always does the wrong thing. Always. And, and, and this continues again. <sighs> All right, let's move on from money in politics. We got a lot uh, more things to cover this week. Uh, and we have elections coming up in 2022. And we need to talk about... Um, where people stand at the end of this uh, episode uh, before we even think about going in to vote in the election booth. But we got a, a couple more topics to talk about. Let's jump into Trumplandia for a minute here. Did you guys see that Don Jr.'s girlfriend is now selling MAGA steaks? No shit. MAGA steaks. I, I never was able to pronounce her last name. Kimberly Gilfoyle? I think it's Gilfoyle. She was a former advisor to, to Trump. Uh, well, to his failed re-election campaign, at least. And then later became engaged to Don Jr. She's now hawking steaks for a meat delivery service whose Better Business Bureau accreditation has been revoked. Yeah, that tracks. In online reviews, customers allege that the curated meat boxes from Good Ranchers which may cost hundreds of dollars if you go take a look at the prices, are not only a, quote, ripoff, end quote, but also uh, sometimes never arrive. And this, this all really makes sense for anybody within the Trump orbit. This is right on brand. On May 15th, Gilfoyle uploaded a video of herself standing over a smoking indoor grill, flipping thin cuts with little visible marbling over the flames. I, I, I added that part. Because that's what it was. Those steaks that she was flipping didn't look that, that great to begin with. Quote, I'm here with these beautiful steaks from GoodRanchers.com, she says. <laughs> Quote, and this is the way you show your family you love them, by buying this, this meat that is born and raised here in the United States. Now, here's where it really tracks with Trump's inner circle. Gilfoyle continues by claiming, quote, <clears throat> 85% of the meat that they sell in stores today is not even from the United States. A statement that is wholly inaccurate, according to the Department of Agriculture, which says that only 8 to 12% of beef sold in the U.S. comes from foreign sources. She may be referring to grass-fed beef, of which 75 to 80% is imported, though often processed right here in the United States. According to a review of its website by Salon, Good Ranchers mail-order beef bundles begin with uh, the $179 
Rancher's Classic Package and top out at the $1,299 Prepper Kit, which includes 17 pounds of bone-in steaks, 15 pounds of boneless steaks, 15 pounds of signature ground beef, and 40 pounds of various chicken breasts. Now, many of the reviews on the Good Ranchers website from quote-unquote verified buyers are positive, as anybody do does uh, or will do with their own website. I had a website for my landscape company. I only put the positive reviews on my website. But elsewhere online, there are allegations from customers who claim that they paid hundreds of dollars for beef that never showed up. Quote, I restarted my subscription ordering a $139 box. A customer who identified herself as Lisa G wrote on the BBB profile for that company. I got an email last night announcing that it had come. We were home at 928 when the email came in and went straight to the front porch, but there was no box and we've received nothing. A customer named Karen W. Oh, by the way, Lisa G. Uh, has now filed a complaint and is is, uh, taking legal action. A customer named Karen W. described a similar experience. Quote, I have been trying to contact you via email for the past three days. My order slash shipment went to another state, and I would like to have this corrected. Please respond to my emails. In the string of one-star reviews on the BBB profile for Good Ranchers, customers also complained about issues such as quality of its beef and difficulties contacting customer service. Five patrons used, their, uh, used the, uh, either the phrase rip-off or ripped-off. Don't waste your money. Poor quality of meat. Good sales pitch, though. Somebody named Kristen M. wrote, Quote, I would love to send this meat back. I was ripped off. I paid $203 for beef and got ripped off. Con man selling the steaks, Jeff M. added. Quote, told me that there were 20 steaks in the box and there were only 10. Fillets were two ounces and filled with fat and chewy and filled with veins. Could not eat any of the fillets and used for pulled beef sandwiches. Totally deceived. Would never buy these again. $203 is a lot of money for me. Are we surprised that somebody within the Trump family orbit is selling shitty products from a company that has a slew of bad reviews and a history of ripping people off? Isn't that pretty much the geo or the, uh, the, 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 the Trump brand? I mean, good Lord. Do you guys ever sell anything that's good? Your steaks suck. Your vodka sucks. Your magazine sucked. Your your college sucked. Your casinos sucked. Your clothes suck. Your ties suck. Every fucking thing you guys touch sucks. How do fuck? How, how do the simple-minded of the of this country continue? To shell out hundreds uh, and thousands of dollars each to this con man's family. It's amazing. Amazing. But, as I said, absolutely on brand. Absolutely on brand for what Trump and his family is. Speaking of on brand... The the Republicans, uh, since the onset of Trump, have really been pushing the limits of what they can get away with. And they've gotten away with a lot. They've not gotten away with other things, but I'll tell you, um, this totally on-brand move coming out of Oklahoma is going to backfire on them badly. Oklahoma... Republican Governor Kevin Stitt has warned many of the state's Native American tribes that if they allow abortion on sovereign land, he will intervene. You want to fucking bet? Quote, Oklahomans will not think very well of that 
if tribes try to set up abortion clinics, Stitt said on Fox News Sunday. Quote, you know, the tribes in Oklahoma are super liberal, he said. They go to Washington, D.C. They talk to President Biden at the White House. They kind of adopt those strategies. So, yeah, we think that there's a possibility that some tribes may try to set up abortion on demand. They think that you can be one one-thousandth tribal member and not have to follow the state law. And so that's something that we'll be watching. And the tribes aren't liberal necessarily, by the way. In fact, some tribes, particularly in eastern Oklahoma, work closely with Republican Tom Cole on a variety of issues. And Tom Cole is far from a fucking liberal, my friend. Native American tribes are allowed to govern themselves on their own land. Their sovereignty is the reason that they can have things like casinos and states where it is banned. Once known as Indian Territory, the state has more than 40 tribes within its borders. Just last month, Oklahoma politicians faced off against tribes in an ongoing refusal to cooperate with Supreme Court decision McGirt versus Oklahoma. Quote, in the McGirt ruling, the Supreme Court held that much of eastern Oklahoma is Indian country under the terms of the 1833 treaty between the U.S. government and the Muskegee Creek Nation said Professor Kristen Matoy Carlson of Wayne State University. Quote, based on that treaty and an 1885 federal law, the ruling effectively means that the state of Oklahoma cannot prosecute crimes committed by or against American Indians there on that land. Only federal and tribal officials are the ones that can pursue these cases. Oklahoma uh, state government, by the way, has asked the Supreme Court to rehear that case over 40 times. Under the existing Supreme Court ruling, uh, about 43% of Oklahoma is ruled by tribal lands. It ultimately means that the GOP governor doesn't have any control over the whole state when it comes to his laws. If Stitt and other Oklahoma Republicans actually try to restrict tribes under the guise that they are trying to stop abortion, they're going to end up uh, in the legal battle of their life. By the way, Stitt's up for re-election uh, this fall. The, these are sovereign nations within our nation. We made an agreement with these people eons ago. You do not have a say as a state governor, as to what goes on on tribal lands. You never have, you do not currently, and you never will. But once again, on brand for the GOP. We're going to come in everywhere and anywhere, and we're going to fucking strip you of your rights. You're going to live by our rule, our way, or we're going to throw you in jail. That's the Republican way. And if they can't get their way uh, through legislative action and be able to hold you accountable, what are they going to do? Just going to blow you up. Tom, you're exaggerating. Really? Did you not hear about the plot to blow up the DNC headquarters in California? In the fall of 2020, in the weeks after Joe Biden was declared the next president of the United States, Ian Rogers, 47, of Sonoma County, sent an ominous text to someone he trusted, according to court records. Quote, okay, bro, we need to hit the enemy in the mouth, he messaged. Rogers' former employee and gym buddy, Jared Copeland, texted back, yeah, so we punched Soros. Eh. Rogers meant a little bit more than that. I think right now we attack Democrats, said Rogers in a reply. Their offices, etc. Maltov cocktails and gasoline. Copeland replied, we need more people, bro. Gonna be hard. The day after Thanksgiving, the chatter kindled into a plan. Text messages contained in court records show the two men agreed to burn down the headquarters of the California Democratic Party in Sacramento, a building 
diagonal to the California Highway Patrol Office, tasked with protecting state lawmakers and daily visitors to the Capitol. So these guys aren't exactly the sharpest cheeses in the fridge. By the way, also nearby, a youth center, a gym, and a popular bookstore. Here are some of the text messages. Rogers, send a leak to the address of the California Democratic Party office. Copeland, right next to CHP. Copeland, again, gotta be cautious. Rogers, only takes three minutes. Take a brick, break a window, pour gas in, and light. The two men texted that they hoped hitting that particular target would send a message and ignite a movement. They viewed themselves as action film heroes, referencing The Expendables, a popular movie franchise. Rogers, scare the whole country. Can you imagine CNN covering this? Ha ha, ha ha. I'll leave an envelope with our demands and intentions, basically saying we declare war on the Democratic Party and all traitors to the Republic. Copeland replies, that's some expendable stuff. Rogers, we need to send a message. Copeland, yep, I agree. Rogers, start a movement. On Jan 8, 2021, the two acknowledge that they might die carrying out their plans. Rogers asked Copeland if he was ready to leave his wife. Rogers texted, what I'm talking about, we probably... What I'm talking about, we probably will die, unfortunately. Copeland, she was crying yesterday and said to me, please don't leave me. I don't know what to do without you. She was rubbing my back while I was watching. Uh, she knows how I run, and she knows I will put myself in harm's way for what I believe in. Rogers and Copeland were arrested in January and July of 2021, respectively, according to court records. If the case goes to trial, Rogers faces a statutory maximum of 45 years in prison. Copeland faces a statutory maximum of 25 years if convicted on all charges. Their attorneys are currently negotiating plea deals at the moment, but this is indicative of the rise of domestic right-wing terrorism that we are seeing in this country. This is... This is a serious conversation between two gentlemen on how to go about uh, blowing up the Democratic headquarters in the state capital of California, the largest state in the union. And how, uh, you know what, if I got to hit the road and run because of something I believe in, then she's just going to have to live without me. These are domestic terrorists. Don't negotiate a plea deal. Try these cocksuckers. Put them in fucking prison for as long as humanly fucking possible. They are clearly a danger to society and are showing you that they are willing to be a flight risk. And people need to wake the fuck up. Domestic terrorism is our biggest threat in this country. And our biggest threat of domestic terrorism comes from right-wing white males. Period. There is no... We just had another one this week. The Buffalo mass shooting. 18-year-old kids get, gets radicalized by right-wing talking points about replacement theory, and now 10 people are dead, and his life is ruined. Oh, but Tom, he said he was left-wing in his manifesto. No, he didn't. He was quoting the results of an online litmus, litmus test. When you do one of those political tests to see where you land. Mine said I was libertarian. I'm not. He said this is what the test showed him to be. And he went on to say that between the ages of 16 and 18, he, he became more and more right-leaning. And replacement theory, to any of you dumb fucks that are listening to me who actually think this guy was a leftist, replacement theory is not something that is espoused by leftists. It's a right-wing uh, uh, conspiracy theory. Where do you see it discussed? Fox News, Laura Ingram, Tucker Carlson, right-wing radio. Show me one person on the left that is espousing replacement theory. Show me one. And so what do we have? We have uh, a very impressionable young man who listens to this shit, who listens to people on the right tell him people of color are going to replace him. 
By the way, and when speaking of replacement theory, which side was it, right or left, that was marching down the street with tiki torches chanting, Jews will not replace us? Radicalized white conservative men are the single greatest threat to this nation and the single greatest terrorism threat that we as a society face here in the United States of America. And these are two prime examples of it. We need uh, consequences for people uh, who push conspiracy theories to drive people to commit mass murder. What those consequences are, I don't know. That's going to be left up to people far smarter than me. I think the first consequence needs to be that these people need to be voted out of office. And if not for riling up domestic terrorists to the point of walking into grocery stores with rifles so that they can take out as many people of color as humanly possible in the shortest period of time, uh, we need to vote these people out of office solely based on their hypocrisy. Are there Democrats that are hypocritical? Fuck yeah. Talk about it all the time on my TikTok account. The right takes it to an art form. Okay, We're heading into the 2022 midterm elections, so you need to stop listening to what they say and start watching what they do. Let me give you some examples of why the Republicans tell you one thing, but then do another. Let me give you an example on why they need to be voted out. They, they say the right shit. They tell you everything that you want to hear. But then their actions uh, speak differently, okay? Example. What's one of the big things that Republicans are currently complaining about? Insanely high gas prices. Rightfully so. We're getting gouged at the pump by oil companies. We're getting gouged. So Republicans yell and scream and kick and moan that we need to do something about these gas prices. Why isn't the Democrat uh, Democratic Party uh, or the President of the United States doing anything about gas prices? Well, they had an opportunity to at least help the situation somewhat, and they voted no. Republicans vote no on a bill to look into gas price gouging. House Democratic majority overcame some internal opposition, admittedly, to pass legislation on Thursday addressing high gas prices by cracking down on possible price gouging from oil companies. The bill was approved along party lines in a vote 217 to 207. Four Democrats, Texas's Lizzie Fletcher, Jared Golden of Maine, Stephanie Murphy of Florida, and Kathleen Rice of New York joined every Republican in the chamber in voting against the legislation. The Consumer... Consumer Fuel Price Gouging Prevention Act introduced by Representatives Kim Shriver of Washington and Katie Porter, you might know her, of California, would give the president the authority to issue an energy emergency proclamation that would make it unlawful for companies to increase fuel prices to, quote, unconscionable and excessive levels. It would also expand the power of the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, to investigate alleged price gouging in the industry and would direct any penalties towards funding, uh, weatherization, and low-income energy assistance. So what the Democrats are trying to do with this bill is be able to go after price gouging harder than they already have the ability to go after. They want to give the Federal Trade Commission more power to go after these price gougers and give the president the ability to go, holy shit, you guys increased your gas prices two bucks this fucking week and the oil didn't go up uh, the same amount. You guys are gouging. We're going to fucking stop the increases. Now, it took some soft-headed Republicans all of 30 seconds to turn that into, it gives the president the power to control gas prices. No. And the president doesn't control gas prices. If the president did control gas prices, we wouldn't have $5.15 a gallon gas right now, you fucking idiots. But the point of this is that 
while Republicans are screaming and yelling into every camera they possibly can and, and, and tweeting out uh, furiously how the Democrats aren't doing shit to address rising gas prices. Here comes a bill in order to uh, designed to uh, help that very thing, designed to go after price gouging. Every fucking Republican voted against it. Why? Joe Biden cannot be seen as having a victory. Democrats cannot be seen as having a victory before the 2022 midterm elections. We, we are a, a few months away from going to the polls, and there can be no victory for the other side in the eyes of the Republicans. Here, another example. Republicans vote against baby formula assistance. What is something that you hear Republicans saying all the time with this baby formula shortage? This is a Joe Biden problem, and the Democrats don't want to fix it. Well, here you also had an opportunity to address part of that issue. A handful of Republican lawmakers bucked their party on Wednesday uh, in in votes on two separate bills aiming to address the nationwide baby formula shortage. Uh, But the main bill saw a lot of opposition. The main bill, dubbed the Infant Formula Supplemental Appropriations Act, passed 231 to 192, mainly broke along party lines. Four Republicans and one Democrat didn't vote. The legislation would grant the, the FDA $28 million in emergency funding to respond to scarcity of baby formula issues. Twelve Republicans bucked House GOP leadership and voted for the legislation. Good on them. Representatives uh, Don Bacon of Nebraska, Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania, Anthony Gonzalez of Ohio, Trey Hollingsworth of Indiana, John Katko of New York, Adam Kinzinger of Illinois, Dave McKinley of uh, uh, West Virginia, Tom Rice of South Carolina, Chris Smith of New Jersey, Mike Turner of Ohio, Fred Upton of Michigan, and Ann Wagner of Missouri. Earlier on Wednesday, Minority Whip Steve Scalise sent a memo to all House GOP offices recommending that members vote against the legislation. He argued that Speaker Pelosi brought up the bill, quote, in hopes of covering up the administration's ineptitude by throwing additional money at the FDA with no plan to actually fix the problem, all while failing to hold the FDA accountable. Bitch, what do you think just happened? The FDA held a piss-poor company accountable. There, There was contamination within the plant. You have several infants... Uh, uh, that came down sick, two of which died. The FDA is there to hold people like that accountable, and that's what they did. They held an investigation. They found uh, high levels of bacterial contamination in the plant on multiple instances. Are are you really fighting for the FDA to back off and, and allow contaminated baby formula to hit the shelves? There was a second baby formula bill that got a lot more support. It was the the, uh, Access to Baby Formula Act, and that passed 414 to 9. Vote was largely bipartisan. Five Republicans and one Democrat did not vote. The bill calls for permanently relaxing restrictions on the kinds of baby formula that individuals in the Federal Low Income Assistance Program for Women, Children, and Infants are allowed to purchase. It's a program formerly known as SNAP. It's now known as WIC. I'm sure you guys have heard it. The only opposition to the legislation came from the Republican Party, and the no votes were Representatives Andy Biggs of Arizona, Lauren Boebert of Colorado, Matt Gates of Florida, Louis Gohmert of Texas, Paul Gosar of Arizona, Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia, Clay Higgins of Louisiana, Thomas Massey of Kentucky, and Chip Roy of Texas. These are the Republicans that said, uh, no, we should continue to give uh, mothers on WIC one type of formula and one type only, and if their babies get sick, so be it. Not our fucking problem. So while they're bitching and moaning all over Twitter about baby formula shortages, they're not actually voting to help stop it. 
Let's move on to another topic that Republicans like to bitch and moan about, but then don't want to do anything about. Republicans didn't show up for confirmation hearings to help combat inflation. Republican senators blocked votes on Biden's five Federal Reserve nominees, leaving the future of the central bank in question. Each of the 12 Republican members of the Senate Baking Committee boycotted the meeting where the panel was set to vote on Biden's five Fed nominees. These are the positions, these Fed nominees, are the positions who are tasked with fighting things like inflation. Their refusal to attend the meeting meant the panel did not have a quorum, a sufficient number of senators present to hold the vote on nominees under Senate rules, which means they couldn't hold the vote, which means those seats remain open. So while they bitch and moan about Biden inflation, as they call it, out-of-control inflation, the, the seats that, are, that need to be filled in order for these people to be able to f- actually take a look at and combat inflation, they're, they're going to go unfilled because Republicans didn't want to show up to a vote. Let me give you another example. Republicans vote against capping insulin prices. You do understand, price gouging on insulin has become uh, standard operating procedure in this country. But the House held a, a vote to cap insulin prices. The vote was 232 to 193 for the Affordable Insulin Now Act. It would have capped insulin prices at $35 a month. Under a provision of the legislation, the cost could even go lower if insurance companies negotiated lower prices. While every Democrat who voted on the bill was a yes, only 12 members of the House Republican Caucus joined them in moving... uh, uh, Shit, sorry, I just got a text message. In moving this bill through. My apologies. One in four Americans who rely on insulin have been forced to ration or skip their dose. Most House Republicans, 193 out of the 210, were on the other side of that debate. 92% of the chamber's GOP caucus voted no. What was their excuse? Some members of the caucus echoed the fantasy that capping drug prices could lead to pharmaceutical companies to do less research. A really moronic position considering that uh, these companies operate in other countries that regulate profiteering. Top House Republicans defaulted to the traditional GOP stance of defending the right of greedy capitalists to be greedy capitalists. Now, I'm a capitalist, but I'm I'm a capitalist who believes in regulated capitalism, not the Republicans. One of them warned that tackling price gouging on prescription drugs could set the United States on a path that would undermine the free market system. Quote, today it's the government fixing the price of insulin. What's next? Gas? Food? Jesus fucking Christ. For a clearer picture on where the Republicans are are coming from, check out Matt Gates. Instead of blaming Big Pharma... For charging astronomically inflated prices for life-saving medications? Gates blamed people with diabetes. Claiming that the legislation, quote, victimizes insulin payees as people with an uncontrollable disease that are being taken advantage of and need Big Brother to throw them a raft. Gates said the real problem is overweight Americans. Quote, arbitrary price controls are no substitute for individual weight control. He went on to say, since 2000, the number of diabetes cases in the U.S. has nearly doubled. The demand for insulin has increased, and the, uh, the requisite price increase has followed suit. In other words, the price of insulin increases as waistlines increase. In that one statement, Gates reveals his ignorance about complex metabolic disorders, as well as basic economics. Not to mention the grotesque disparities that are on display in the food and healthcare system of the United States. 
I would dare say he also confirmed that he's a piece of shit. But look at this, what I've been talking about, these last four issues here, right? It's all what the Republicans are bitching about, right? It's all what the Republicans are telling you they're going to fix because we got to get those evil Democrats out of office and let the Republicans come back in to be able to fix this. We can fix it, just vote us in. Well, your actions show differently. Let's go over the issues again. Gas prices. They're bitching and moaning about gas prices, but they're voting against measures to help stop gas price gouging. They're bitching and moaning about a baby formula shortage, but when it comes to actually putting their vote on the line to help alleviate that problem to the best that Congress possibly can, what do they do? They vote against it. They're bitching and moaning about inflation, but when it comes time to seat the Federal Reserve nominees... They boycott the fucking meetings so that a quorum can't be held. And they're bitching and moaning about insulin prices, but when there's a bill to cap it at $35 and actually give the American people who can't afford this life-saving medicine some fucking assistance, they vote against it. They tell you what they want you to hear, and then they vote against your best interests. Stop listening to what Republicans are telling you and start looking at what Republicans are doing. We are six months away from the midterm elections. Six months. This is what you're going to be hearing a lot of from me in the next six months. Six months, and these people are telling you who they are with their vote. If you think insulin prices are out of control and need to be capped, voting Republican is not going to get it done. If you're paying too much money for insulin and you can barely afford it, if you have to ration your insulin or you know somebody who does, voting Republican is going to make that problem worse. They've shown you that with their votes. If you think inflation is out of control and you want people in place to combat inflation, voting Republican is not going to get that done. They're showing you that with their actions by boycotting the votes on the Federal Reserve nominees. If you think things like the baby formula shortage is a problem and Congress should do something to anything to try and alleviate it, then voting Republican is not the way to get it done. They're showing you that with their votes. And if you think gas prices are too high and that the government should step in and stop uh, gouging at the, at the pump, if you, if you think that your local gas station is running a price gouging scheme and, and you think that they should be held accountable for that, voting Republican is not the way to get it done. They're showing you with their vote. If there's one thing I could urge everybody who intends to vote in the 2022 midterms to do, it would be to go look at the people that you're going to be voting for, okay? Your member of Congress that's up, your, your senator that's up, your, your governor that's up, your state houses that are Look at their voting record. You could look at their political advertisements and, and mailers all day long. Uh, as a matter of fact, I encourage you to do so as well so that you can compare it against their actual voting record. I can tell you all day long that X is true, but if I do Y, I'm showing you uh, through my actions something differently. No, I don't fuck sheep on Thursday afternoon. Are you fucking kidding me? I would never in a million years do that. But if you see me in my backyard on a Thursday afternoon just fucking raw-dogging some sheep, what would you think my position on fucking sheep would be? What I told you or what I did? You got to look at their voting record. And their voting record shows time and time and time again that they vote against the things that they claim to want. They vote against your best interest, my best interest, and all of our best interests. 
We are obviously going to talk in more depth about specific candidates in the weeks and months to come as we barrel roll towards the 2022 midterm elections. We're going to talk to we're going to talk about a bunch of different candidates and hopefully uh, post operation I'm going to be able to get this Zoom system set up. I just haven't pulled the trigger on it yet, but we got a lot of time yet. What I want to do is once these primaries are over is I want to reach out to some of these candidates in some of these key districts and see about having them on the podcast. Get them on the podcast and talk to them about uh, what their positions are and what their voting records are. Now, I'm not going to get any Republicans on here, I guarantee you. But we're going to get some people who are going to be running against some Republicans, hopefully. And we're going to talk to you guys about what the midterms actually hold in store for us. Watch what they do, not what they say. That's true with everybody. Now, another quick note here about the podcast. I'm trying to keep you guys informed of scheduling here as much as humanly possible. There should be a podcast the next two weeks. Friday, May 27th, and Friday, June 3rd. There will not be one on June 10th, as the day before, June 9th, I'm having my entire right hip surgically replaced. I don't think I'm going to be much in the podcasting mood. Whether or not there will be one the following week, June 17th, is yet to be determined. It's how well I bounce back from my surgery. So two more weeks before we take a week off, and then we head into a little bit of unknown territory. But as always, I thank you guys for listening. Make sure you subscribe so that you know uh, exactly when the new episodes hit. Make sure you get over to Patreon and subscribe to that service so that you can hear podcast episodes uh, with non-political news stories that end every uh, episode with a new personal story. What was it that my wife wanted me to say? Oh, my wife and I got couples massages, uh, a couples massage, our first time down in Jamaica, and it was... uh, it was interesting to say the least. I had I had a bit of a moment in in the couple's massage, but I'll tell that story over on Patreon next week when when another episode hits. Make sure you go over there and subscribe. It's four dollars and twenty cents a month. All right. In the meantime, that's all I got for you guys this week. I thank you guys for turning tuning in. Uh, sorry, the podcast is later than normal. I didn't record it on Thursday. I actually recorded it this morning. Uh, but whatever. Fuck it. Subscribe. Tell as many friends as humanly possible. We're trying to grow the platform to the point where we might be able to get some sponsors in here. Thank you guys again. And until next week, as always, stay grateful.